This is episode 11 of the Career Geek Podcast. And this episode, we'll be talking with Catherine, who makes her living off producing websites, her comedy, and writing. I'm sitting here with a very talented woman, Catherine, and, uh, well, this conversation is going to be interesting because uh, you could describe her as a comedian, you could describe her as a writer, and you could describe her as a, uh, a web developer. So I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about exactly, but um, well, well, thank you for coming on, first of all. Yes, well, thank you. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, where was your, your university education or TAFE education, if any? Oh, well, unlike, <laughs> unlike Andrew, um, I, I keep on going back. I've got a, a BA, and, and I, I received um, with honors, which in the U.S. doesn't mean an extra year. It just meant that I did, you did well. You did well? Yeah, I did well. And uh, I got out, and then I kind of got bored with the job I had at that time, which wasn't anything exciting. So I thought, you know, I was always happy at university. So I went back for a master's in creative writing. And, and then the uh, same thing happened with the Ph.D., and I went out and then got a degree in storytelling for digital media. And uh, ended up lecturing in, in storytelling for computer games and what have you. And that was at RMIT, correct? RMIT and Vic- later with Victoria University. So was that one of your first gigs? My first gig was as the head of marketing for a computer game, uh, not computer game, excuse me, for a uh, comic book company back in the United States. And then when I moved here, the next job was uh, editor-in-chief for a computer game magazine. Oh, and you did a creative writing uh Sorry, Bachelor of Arts and then Creative Writing? Uh, bachelor, uh, it, they required it to be a degree in English with creative writing emphasis. So we had to do twice as much as the standard English students as okay. far as that goes. Mm. But there, there's no particular focus. Have you, have you found that you've been working in uh, certain mediums? or? Okay, well, it's always been storytelling. Mm. And I keep on getting sucked into the computer end of the thing because, well, A, I, I think they're cool and I'm, I'm quite a geek that way and that I'm a fan of, of innovation and technology um, and, I, and I have a great facility with it. My father was in insurance which people go oh, ho-hum a bit boring but that was one of the first places computers were ever used right they were used for putting together actuarial tables and the like and so my dad was working with them and would bring home punch cards and such and we'd get to see them play the original um, what was it it was the original Star Trek game Nice. Right, and, and these sorts of things. So I, I was around computers, and I have an uncle who's a scientist as well. So I've been around computers forever, and, and they just seem natural. And uh, when I was at the University of Washington for my English degree, uh, in order to put out a literary magazine, the cheapest way to do it was to learn a horrible old programming language called Justif to do the typesetting ourselves. So we would we would... Uh, so I learned it, and then I taught all the other English students how to do this programming language. And then we'd go to the computing department, who would then run that stuff through in order to print out poems and short stories <laughs> and what have you to put out our our, um, our magazine. And that's after that, as I said, it was just nonstop writing and computers in some manner together. But I write humor. And even at the comedy festival this year, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, my performance involved multimedia and, and uh, um, conceiving of and then hand- having Andrew um, develop uh, software specific for the show. Oh, nice. So it, it just it never goes away. It always keeps on coming back in. Well, if we can go back in time a little mm-hmm. bit, one thing I'm really curious about mm-hmm. is um, as a writer and as a storyteller, mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to demonstrate those skills. So in mm-hmm. getting your first few jobs, 
How did you demonstrate um, your writing abilities in your resume or, or any folio pieces you might have used? Okay. Um, well, this is why you, you do things like um, participating in creating literary magazines. and I mean, that gives you the opportunity to get your own stuff published, but you get known as an editor as well. Mm. Uh, and... Um, and that was a volunteer position. Yeah? That's volunteer. In fact, when you get into the arts, you have to not mind volunteering for a lot of mm. stuff to establish yourself. That's just absolutely the go. Um, I mean, uh, right now I've been um, auditioning actors for a new show I'm doing for Melbourne Fringe. And um, the ones who want to get into TV and, and film... We'll, we'll ask right up, like, any money in it? Nope, bye. And I'm going... Your resume has nothing in it. Nothing. <laughs> You're going to have to do at least a little bit of this, and I'm fun. You know? <laughs> but uh, um, that's how it goes. That's how I managed to get some of my paid positions, like working for Nickelodeon Cartoons. Yeah, which is very cool. Yeah. Although, actually, on the volunteer thing, mm-hmm. um, how do you judge? I mean, obviously, there's a bit of intuition mm-hmm. there, but sometimes some volunteer positions mm-hmm. um, are not as well, to be polite, some volunteer positions are not as worthwhile as pursuing as others. Absolutely. No, you're, you're quite right. And, and some of them are very exploitive. Yeah, that's the word. And, okay. and you don't really want to end up in a position where you're just being used over and over again. Uh, but at the same time, this, uh, the, the, the um, uh, film, television, and even some of the new streaming shows and such, the only way you're ever going to get in is to just go for it and um, you can certainly say no there's no no reason you know not to particularly at the volunteer level but be polite right be respectful because some of these people will go on and do stuff I've had more than one friend go on to very big things um, Kyle McLaughlin who is in Twin Peaks uh, the movie Dune more recently Sex in the City and, and Desperate Housewives He's a good friend of mine from back at the University of Washington, right? Uh, because I had originally wanted to do um, uh, playwriting. And so I was doing a lot of stuff as a volunteer, again, for the professional actors training program where my best friend was his, his fiance at the time, right? So he was just another little actor at the time, right? You know, I was just another little student learning how to write. You know, now he's off doing big things, you know, doing films and television and all kinds of stuff. So you've, you've got to be there. You've, you've got to be polite and, and do the best job for every job because if you shine, people will see you. That's how I've grabbed a number of the actors for my projects is I'll just go to even a little um, uh, amateur production and sit in the audience and watch, and they don't know they're being scouted. <sighs> You know, and I'll see somebody and I go, that person has got genuine talent. That person really, their personality just comes right across. And so afterwards, I'll contact them, get their details, bring them in for an audition. And if it looks like they'll be easy to work with, right, because there's no sense, particularly when they're in their early stages of their career, of putting up with somebody who's going to be difficult, you're going you're gonna to maybe have to do that with your big-name people already. You don't want to bother with the beginners being that way, hmm. right? So, um, yeah. Well, that's um, well. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about it, seeing as we've alluded to it quite a bit. You're mm-hmm. not just a writer, but you're also a comedian. I mm-hmm. uh, most recently uh, were in the Melbourne Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. and right now you're producing a new show for yes. the Melbourne Fringe Festival, mm-hmm. um, which we'll put links to uh, mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, well, we're... 
Where do you start with that? Is, was, was the Melbourne Comedy Show uh, your first comedy show? Uh, first one at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, yes. And it was my first hour-long, just me, solo production kind of thing. Now, I'd done a few things in Adelaide. Um, we, Adelaide Fringe? Or? At, um, no, just for Christmas. We just put up a show for Christmas. It was a variety show, and um, I'm a mad woman. I started with one three-minute sketch and wanting to do a variety show, right? I had a friend in the, crea- in the uh, Writers' Center who knew people who were doing theater, so he introduced me. I was looking for crew, not even cast yet. He introduced me to crew, but all their friends were there because they all hung out at this, this chocolate shop you know, on, on Friday evenings. And I ended up chatting with all of them, and I almost got all of them into my show. And the first week we came together for rehearsals, I only had that three-minute sketch. Next week we had another sketch. The following week, another sketch. It worked quite well for um, you know, rehearsing and developing it. And then I got a hold of various uh, uh, singers and performers and, and uh, percussionists. And we had a couple of uh, comic um, uh, poets and just had a two-hour show. And we filled the house. It was brilliant. It got terrific word of mouth for it. And I did a, a, a 20-minute routine for that. And then, uh, and then after that, I did um, a feature film and a TV pitch promo reel and then the Nickelodeon thing I told you. Mm. And, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But comedy festival first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, um, for people who are particularly interested in the comedy thing, mm-hmm. they, I also recommend they uh, listen to our interview with uh, Two Griffin. Mm-hmm. But can, um, for the Melbourne aspect, for the Australian aspect, mm-hmm. can you talk a, just a, a little bit about um, how you go about um, getting a show into the Melbourne Comedy Festival? Okay. Um, you need to go out there and get some sort of time in front of audiences, right? There's a lot of open mic in Melbourne. I mean, you've got uh, Spleen right here in town. Uh, you've got... Um, Sorry, what's the website so I can look that uh, up later? Spl- Spleen Bar. Spleen Bar. Yeah, cool. I, I will Google that and I'll put yes. a link on the website. And then there's also ETs, uh, uh, which is... Um, like the Alien? Yeah, ETs, uh, Hotel in Paran. No, is it Paran or, or Windsor? It's right... Cool. Well, I'll, link, I'll have all these links on the website. That same area. And, uh, and then my very, very favorite is, is uh, Black Frames at Willow Bar. Cool. And they also have Willow Tales. Uh, and both of those, those uh, shows are brilliant. Just the most exciting, you know, innovative stuff that's going as yeah. far as comedy. So are these production companies or open mic nights? Those have open, well, the ETs and, and Spleen have open mic nights. Uh, Willow Bar, they will uh, work you in. You hang out, they get to know you, and then they work you in. And that's how I had, um, uh, oh, it was glorious. I ha- they got me into Willow Tales, and I got called back three times for applause. It was great. <laughs> it was a good night. <laughs> But as I said, you get that experience. You get to know um, what audiences will laugh at, what they will enjoy, but smile at. Which doesn't mean you failed, but you get a lot of comedians who get worried they've failed. They're going, well, you should talk to people afterwards. You'll find out if you're doing smiley humor. And they go, oh, yeah, I like that. Mm. Uh, and then uh, um, also, of course, what, what isn't going over, you know, what, where you're not really uh, delivering as well as you might. Um, but it doesn't always have to be comedy, interestingly enough. Any time in front of an audience is going to be good. Uh, Adelaide, there weren't a lot of comedy venues when I was first there. So I went out to the um, open mic nights for music, but went ahead and did comedy. 
and they didn't mind. They let me do it. And you still get people laughing, and you still find out what works. Um, also, um, in Melbourne has a very exciting uh, poetry scene. And you go, poetry? And I'm going, no, the slams. The slams are hilarious. The, slam, the slams are really intense, and they definitely do out their topics. And so I just come in and, and start doing things like, she's got no bum, she's got no bum, the woman's glum, she's got no bum, alas, no ass, nor even crevasse, she's got no bum, she's got no bum. You know, and this sort of thing. And it rhymes, it's a poem, hey, you know. <laughs> So anytime, and then once you get that experience, you also get people knowing you and interested in coming into your show. You can put all those pieces together, which is basically what I did. I, I did a thing with a couple of puppets, uh, tiki, uh, tiki gods I have, uh, Kiki and Mabulu, that are in bright neon colors and look beautifully ugly. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then the poems, and I just found a way to weave them all together to create a, an hour show, which is how all the comedians do it. Is as far as just slowly putting the whole thing together. And then uh, you apply, and a lot of it's then your own work, finding venues, getting the marketing up and happening. They don't necessarily do that all for you. You can get uh, some backing, but even if you do, um, uh, you're still going to be expected to go out there and, and uh, um, hand out a million flyers and, and what have you. Um, also, it's not always the best thing to go straight in with uh, being festival sponsored uh, because at the beginning level, you don't always get the best places. Um, and you're a little bit overshadowed by the big comedians so in the same venues. what do you mean by venues. festival sponsors? You mean like the festival covering? The festival itself uh, uh, actually takes on... Uh, uh, various people, largely the, the big-name comedians. But, I mean, they're very good. I mean, you do get a lot of, of uh, visibility and um, assistance and such and, and a, a, very, a much faster learning curve if they take you on, mm. right? But it's one of those things where it's, you know, six of this and half a dozen of the other. There's, there's certainly value in going straight to them. There's also value in just doing it yourself uh, on the outside, uh, um, after being signed up and finding a venue on your own and setting up. Mm, cool. Mm. Well, I do need to let you guys get to dinner at some point, so <laughs> if I can quickly talk to you a little bit sure. about one of your other talents, mm -hmm. uh, web development. Um, <laughs> where did that come in? Because you, you studied Bachelor of Arts and creative yeah. writing so where did where did de development come oh, into that web development web development is my little money spinner that makes it easier and more possible to do all the other stuff um i mean so by that you mean um you, you make money off it as a comedian you make money as a writer but web development is your main source of income well that's more regular okay. <laughs> i mean comedy you do a whole bunch a year of development and then you get a whole bunch of of attention during the comedy festival and then maybe you'll have a few other paid gigs outside of it yeah. but it's certainly not steady and and same with writing for uh you know various television programs and whatnot some of them could be set steady but some of them are just going to be piecemeal you get a bit here you get a bit there another bit over in this other area so you don't know between times how you're gonna how you're gonna make it through now I, my mother was an art teacher, so I know a fair amount about graphic design, graphic art, and fine art, which are all three very distinct things, to be honest. And you get people in graphic art who think they can do design, and then it doesn't happen. But I say this because I often subcontract uh, to various people to kind of help get various, uh, get certain jobs done. But, um, but sorry, can you back up a little bit? So how, you, how you actually got? So I can do the graphic design and what have you. 
and I worked with Ted Nelson on, uh, as far as the Xanadu. Andrew and I both have worked with Ted Nelson on, on uh, um, hypermedia. So I was very keen on how that works and um, had thought very deeply, including for my PhD, in, uh, about issues of navigation design. Uh, so I do more than straight web development. It's it's a bit larger larger than that. Uh, but wait, sorry, can I just cl- clear a couple mm-hmm. of things up? Um, mm-hmm. uh, when, are, you, are you a programmer or are you a designer? Okay, I'm not a programmer, uh, but I keep on using the term producer because I'm a little larger than even just straight web design. Right? Okay, so uh, it would be accurate to say you do um, web design and you also do um, you, you you oversee the organization of the, the website. Well, what I do is, is um, we'll have customers who, who need um, some sort of online presence and solution, and uh, you need to make sure that um, the story of their um, of their product is well represented. So you've got you've got to sit there and design all the pages and how they're interconnected. Now, sometimes they'll need more. They'll need uh, things like forms or. Uh, uh, something that's a little more interactive, and I will discuss that with them. And I'm usually a very good um, kind of go-between almost between the customer and Andrew as far as what uh, Andrew needs to do in the way of programming and what they want, right? Because I'll, I'll sit there and, and, and work it out, what they're doing, and then have an idea. I was like, all right, well, a good solution would be this. And I go, Andrew, can you do this? And he goes, yes, I can, and I can do this, this, and this as well. And I went, well... My customer would have no idea what that is, <laughs> but it might be useful to them. However, these other things might be worthwhile. So I'll go back and say, we can do this, but you know we can also do that. And so we'll then put that all together, and then sometimes I end up grabbing subcontractors to form a team. I'm not a photographer, so I'll go grab somebody who's a photographer to do that for me. So I'm, I'm really doing project management. Mm, yeah, I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, um, how did you start with that? I mean, I obviously know the answer, but I just want, yeah. for the, for the benefit, benefit yeah. of listeners. Well, this is, I mean, it's, it's basically like doing my literary magazines. It's almost the same thing, really. It's just online. And um, uh, Glass Wings uh, was the first uh, uh, commercial uh, magazine on the net in Australia. Right. Which I, we'll link to on the website. I was so excited um, about Ted Nelson's work because he wrote a book called Literary Machines. Um, and he was talking about the future of the book uh, within computers. And I went, oh, yes, oh, yes, this is definitely it. And so this was back, you know, in the early, you know, well, 89, 90 and such that, that I was getting into, like, this is cool. This is what we, we've got to do. We need more of this. So that was when I ended up, you know, writing Surfs Up Internet Australian style and and, and these various other things. So so I was doing raw HTML from day dot as soon as it was available, uh, and and have continued to do it. It's my PhD is as I said in storytelling for digital media, and I'm primarily interested really more in extended media than just computer games. Computer games are fun. I'm interested in how. You have a continuum from television to film to computer storytelling because at the moment they're merging. And Ted could see it and I could see that the whole thing was going to merge. And we really had to um, find ways to to, uh, consolidate that and make that possible and use what's unique to the uh, uh, medium um, to do some exciting things to get people onto the whole on a whole new way of, of, of thinking about story. Cool. Yeah. Well, if I might 
Um, oh, I should let you get to, get to dinner. Um, <laughs> uh, if I can just ask one really mm -hmm. quick, brief question. Uh, sure. Um, when looking at uh, creative writing courses, mm -hmm. what would you say is a good indicator of a good writing course? Because it's very, um, it's not very tangible. Oh, it's more tangible than you might think, but you have to be bold. Mm. Right? You go in and you interview the professors. <laughs> you find out online what sort of things they've published, right? and whether or not that's the sort of thing you're interested in. But more than that, you need to find out what their um, style is. And, and it's completely acceptable to ask if you could even sit in on a lecture or find out if they're giving any public lectures and go and find out. But that's my style of doing it. You know, no, I'm a bit, I'm a bit as I said, I'm a bit brash. You just go in and it's like, I'm interviewing for a job of teaching me. Mm, nope, you're not hired. Oh, yes, you're hired. And be a little careful about school reputations because even though certain schools can have very good reputations, those shift, right? So some uh, uh, university can have a very good reputation, but it's still running on a reputation where the people who had made it happen are now gone and it's really losing its edge, and then it moves on to another school. Because with the writers in particular, they will come and go from the university. They'll come in, teach for a while, then they feel like, I think I want to go write another book. Oh yeah, I think I'll go write another book. Woof, off they go, writing another book, and they're not teaching anymore. So um, I know Holmes Glenn Tafe um, has a very good reputation at the moment, uh, and and uh, um, kind of taking over from some of the other, other uh, uh, tapes in universities. I'm not certain if it's still uh, as excellent as it as it seems to be, but I, I, I assume so. I'd um, uh, I'd gotten to know a number of the professors there, but they weren't any place that I went. That was kind of post my my getting my degrees. Um, and MIT also has some some good things going on, from what I hear. But uh, yeah, Sorry, shop which one around. Did you say just then? NM, NMIT. Which one's that? North Melbourne, is that? North Melbourne uh, Institute of Technology? Maybe it is. I will link to it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I, I was at RMIT, and they're in a, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying good or bad, they're in a big transition right now just because of the way they're organizing it is, is changing. So who knows what things are going to be like for them in the future. Mm. But check, check. I mean, they may still have good, and they may even have better people now. So, um, but it is useful. The, what's useful is, is talking to other students, talking with uh, the professors, being there live and being a part of the culture because there's a couple of things that happen. Uh, one is you, I mean, networking is everything in the arts, absolutely everything, and you've got to be there in person to really form those connections. Uh, also, uh, there are many... Um, and those connections mean you get groups of people who become well-known in their own right. And if just one becomes well-known, then somebody else in that same group becomes well-known. And they can help one another, but even if they don't, everyone knows you're the one who hung out with that crowd that became famous. Right? So it's, um, don't get sucked in by, uh, in particular with writing courses. I mean, here I am a geek. The online courses, I, I, I'm sorry to say, really aren't going to do enough for you. Only if you combine it with being with real human beings. You mean online writing courses? Or? Yeah, online yeah. writing courses. Do not rely on them. Otherwise, you might as well go buy a book. 
<laughs> You've got to get some sort of human interaction at some point. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that um, <laughs> as in any arts, really, the, yeah. the, you really need a, a, a lecture there in person. Mm. Um, but anyway, I will, I will finally let you guys go and have sure. food. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for talking to me. Um, I just want to wrap up on the note saying you have uh, excellent geek cred because <laughs> um, your book that you mentioned uh, was on Spicks and Specs. Yes, it was sung. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, what's that challenge called again? I, I, I um, it slipped my name. It's uh, uh, um... well, anyway, if you don't know what it's called, then you shouldn't be listening to this show. But um, thank you so much. And uh... substitutions. Yes, that's the name of the game. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests. In the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek podcast. Now that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts. And you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more career geek interviews at www.cangeek.com or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. And check out cangeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cangeek.com, and I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly. Chicago Lolly.